Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 248 of the Spoiler Alert podcast brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. I'm Danny, and I'm here with Mike, and tonight we'll be discussing the 21st Marvel Studios film, Captain Marvel, starring the first of several posthumous cameos from Stan Lee. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Danny? I'm doing well. Probably not as well as Marvel Studios is. They had a good weekend. Man, they've had a good weekend. What a great year they've had. Yeah. I mean, you look at the blockbuster, enormous grosses from Black Panther and the Avengers Infinity Wars. A few Oscar wins for Black Panther. Academy Award wins for Black Panther. And... You know, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is a Marvel property. Yeah. Uh, it was produced by Sony Animation, but still, a Marvel property won Best Animated Feature Film. And then here, they come out with Captain Marvel, their 21st film, and it kills it. Yeah. Number one at the box office domestically, number one globally, nearly half a billion dollars, first three days in theaters. Biggest opening weekend of the year thus far? Right? Thus far, yeah. yep, yep. Number okay. one, and it's like but, the fifth largest in March, and it's the third highest for Marvel Studios. I mean, there's a million different records and, we could talk and about. And not but. too far from the next Marvel release uh, coming up very shortly, right? No, I, that, uh, you're right. The Avengers Endgame opens at the end of April, so we're actually so just this uh, movie will, six weeks away. will still most definitely be in theaters at the time that the next Avengers release comes out. It will, and it's a really interesting bookend, sort of, because Marvel not so subtly hinted at the end of Mar- Marvel Infi- uh, Avengers Infinity War, rather, that Captain Marvel would play an integral role in, in that film. We now get her standalone movie, which is a prequel set in 1995, and then if you stayed through the credits of this one, you again saw a glimpse at Endgame where it's confirmed that Captain Marvel will show up and, and ultimately... Uh, Help turn the tide, yeah. but I so as I good didn't as, stay through the end. <laughs> I'm not surprised. But <laughs> as good as Marvel has it, this is a really interesting inflection point because Avengers Endgame really does wrap up a number of those storylines. Right. With um, uh, Chris Evans saying he's done playing Captain America, uh, everyone sort of expects at this point Robert Downey Jr. will be done playing Iron Man. Um, you know, Chris Hemsworth is done playing Thor. So, I mean, sort of the, the stable of characters and actors that have gotten them through this incredible record-breaking run are hanging things up. And yeah. so they're they're really working to turn things over to people like Brie Larson here as Captain Marvel. Fresh and blood. Presume that Black Panther will stay strong, maybe Doctor Strange. Not so certain is Guardians of the Galaxy 3, from which James Gunn was fired, as the director, after he, it was discovered that a decade ago he made inappropriate jokes on Twitter. Um, yeah. So still, still no resolution there. But just an, I think it's point. time to cancel my Twitter account. I, I, nothing good apparently can ever come of having a Twitter. Nothing account. good comes from Twitter. No, yeah, no. Unless you also go back every day and delete your Twitter. You know, <laughs> d- d- delete old tweets that have just been hanging out there because they'll hang on you someday. Yeah, right. They yeah, certainly apparently. will, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, let's maybe get into Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you yeah. uh, hit us with a, uh, a plot recap really quickly here. I will, and I'll keep it pretty high level. Uh, okay. I mean, ostensibly, this is, this is Marvel's 21st film. It's their first film starring 
a female protagonist, a female superhero, and it's the story of Veers, who is a Kree, that's an alien, and a member of the Star Force, which is sort of their galactic police force. And during a mission in which she is trying to, uh, a rescue mission to save another Kree operative who's infiltrated a group of Skrulls, Hang with me here. Yep. This is a See, group already, of like, shape. Just hold on, hold on, hold on. Right, don't, right. don't, don't hang up. Okay. Uh, shapeshifter <laughs> aliens who I guess can uh, kind of resemble anybody uh, and take over their bodies. Um, she is suddenly um, basically bounced around. She's abducted, and it winds up on Earth in 1995. And in 1995 Earth, she meets a plucky desk jockey at the newly uh, formed S.H.I.E.L.D. organization named Nick Fury, who is played by Samuel L. Jackson. And she and Nick form an unlikely buddy duo as they try to stop the Skrulls and unlock the mystery of Veer's past. Because she may or may not be human, she may or may not be... Uh, a former Air Force pilot named Carol Danvers. We're not quite sure until the end when there's cross and double cross and twist and triple twist, ultimately resulting in some fairly generic battle scenes and Veers or Carol Danvers becoming Captain Marvel, who is ostensibly one of the most powerful superheroes in the Marvel Universe. And that's All right. Yeah. What What did you think of it? You saw it uh, opening night. Yep, I saw it opening the true night. opening night. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, this might be my least favorite Marvel movie, and I'm including oh, really? Iron Man two in here. Okay. I just I just feel like there was there wasn't much to hang my hat on, mm-hmm. um, and which is a shame because I thought Brie Larson, I thought her performance was really pretty fun. And I think she's a really funny and really interesting actress. And clearly Captain Marvel is a character who has a lot of power and you know, should be like something really interesting. I just didn't think she was given much to do. I thought the plot felt very generic and vanilla. And the bulk of the movie felt kind of like a B-minus Star Trek movie. Like I kept waiting for like Captain Picard from the, the Next Generation to sort of walk through with Data and... and some of those guys. So it just it just was sort of underwhelming. How about for you? Yeah, I I said that it was a B-list in the Marvel Universe, uh, B-list of their films. And and the quote I jotted down was, if, is, if it were an impressionist painting, it would be this artist's minor work. And, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and in some ways, that's, that's okay, because I feel like something I liked about it is this movie wasn't too long. It didn't feel too bloated to me in, in right. terms of, you know, uh, 30 minute long ending sequences and things like that. And it also didn't seem too self important. And I think that in this, and that's not meant to be a slam because sure. I think that in this, in this genre, it's okay. Be, the whole movie is you saving the world. You don't need to have a bunch of themes underneath there about see, saving the world. And I think that, some of the Marvel movies have gotten kind of self-important. Um, and this one just seemed like a comic book movie, which was kind of a breath of fresh air, at least for me. Now, you know, I will but, say, I, I will also say that the plot still confuses me. I mean, even listening to you describe it at a, at a high level, as opposed to sitting through it for two hours, there's a lot 
going on there too. A lot of characters to try and wrap your head around and it's not a universe I follow so I don't quite know all the easter eggs and the interactions of all these characters and their backstories etc. But uh, I at least appreciated it that it, it was just out there to be a, a fun comic book movie this time. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say just a comic book movie because I felt like this this sort of felt like a comic book movie that we would have gotten in 1995. Yeah, like, right. Like, the effects, I guess, were better, but it just didn't feel very fresh. It felt sort of like maybe for super comic nerds, this is going to be a, a great one, but for the uninitiated or people who aren't already kind of fawning over themselves for this character, I didn't see much here that was really new or some people could, could tag on to. Unlike, say, Black Panther, which certainly was a cultural touchstone last year, is an enormous hit. And in addition to being, um, you know, a comic book movie and a, and a Marvel movie, it had a lot of things that I think it did really, really well, including some fantastic world building and... You know, the costumes and the production design for which it won Academy Awards were really great. This one just felt like sort of a bland, mid-90s, L.A.-based cop movie, I guess. And to your point, I I think that Marvel has gotten – I think actually they've done a pretty good job at doing some of the – I don't want to say lesser works. But you look at like Ant-Man and the Wasp and even Doctor Strange where these are sort of C characters and they've let them get weird and they've let them do sort of, you know, kind of funny things. Right. That it's not always I mean, ultimately it often is the end of the world, but even in Doctor Strange, it's done in such a way that it's more of a lark. Right. But here yeah. it just didn't even feel like there was really big stakes at all. It just felt kind of disposable. And there wasn't a lot of humor in this one no. as opposed to like a Doctor Strange where there were a lot of chuckles. I guess, you know, I think that Marvel has gone to great lengths, and I'm sure there's marketing reasons for this, to, you know, kind of bill every episode that they've done as a standalone, right? I mean, right. even the sequels are still standalone episodes, and you get to meet a new character. But every time they have this hero with their, you know, complex backstory, doesn't it all just seem kind of warmed over? I mean, maybe take Black Panther out of that list and and we can acknowledge that there was some amazing world building. And I mean, the crafts in that movie were really second to none, hence some Oscar wins for the film. But I guess I just sort of feel like, you know, this, even the Iron Man, even the Avengers that episodes that I liked, just they all exist in this same kind of, world of sameness. I, I, I don't know well, the right way to describe it. I think there's no denying that there's a formula. And especially for the f- sort of first installment for any character, right? We, we've got to get the backstory. We've got to get the origin story. This one tries to do it in a slightly novel way through flashbacks as opposed to just giving it to us like in chronological order. But even then, it, it's just going through the motions of the things that you've seen a hundred times. Whether it's Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Like, when you get those, like, the Avengers films or a sequel to some of those others, at least you kind of get to skip past the origin story because we've already done that. This one just felt like another. And I don't know how they get past that, especially, as I mentioned, you know, they got this wave of characters sort of ending their arc, which means they've got to introduce more, which means we're all in store for more origin stories, yeah, which right. I kind of can't handle anymore. 
And yeah, I, this one didn't have anything new to say. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I also think, like, if you were if you were going to play, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe bingo at the movie theater, you'd have things on your list like something's going to shoot out of somebody's hands and, and <laughs> right. you're going to be able to throw somebody against a wall and you're going to not remember parts of your childhood and you're going to have nightmares yet you're going to have this need to battle on and it's going to end in space like i, I mean it, it checks all of those boxes and i guess yeah. i i appreciated that it was not trying to be more than that but i guess it, like i sort of i sort of left the theater feeling like i'd eaten a big greasy hamburger like it was it was sort of fun while it lasted and then you leave kind of like i'm I'm done with this and that was that was the feeling i had walking out you know like oh i wish i hadn't eaten that hamburger i wish i'd had something a little healthier yeah i mean i i feel like you know there's a lot of expectations on this film especially for women who have been waiting for sort of their larger representation in the marvel cinematic universe and I just feel like, especially on the heels of Wonder Woman, this sort of pales in comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I just didn't think that they did much with Captain Marvel or gave us a lot to get excited about as the character. Her powers seem oddly generic. The big reveal is that she's powered from the Cosmic Cube, or what's called the Tesseract, which was from Captain America, which is also from the Avengers. It's one of the Infinity Stones, so it's sort of like... Okay, so she just got her power from the. Anyway, it just felt like there just wasn't anything super exciting. And you know, Marvel has this his, this tendency now of finding hip, young, cool new filmmakers and giving them this this platform, right? Like James Gunn um, or Ryan Coogler for Black Panther to really sort of showcase what they can do. And for this one, they chose Anna Bowden. And Ryan Fleck, and they directed Half Nelson. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that movie. I do remember that uh, with movie. Ryan Gosling. Yep. And so, sort of an odd choice, I think, to to helm a, a, a superhero movie, you know, with like three hundred million dollar budget or whatever, ended up having. But I think what happens is, I don't know that Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck have had a lot of experience shooting three hundred million dollar movies with great action sequences. Yeah. And at some point, there is you get bang for your buck with someone who's done this type of work before. Yeah. Right. Joss Whedon with the Avengers showed he knew what he was doing. He can put together a really exciting action sequence where you're on the edge of your seat and you're, you care and he, he knows how to, how and when to inject a little bit of humor. And these, all the action sequences here felt like they're shot by like the second unit director Hmm. or, you know, someone does a previs in a storyboard and sort of like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That looks good. And they just sort of move on. It just, you know, you could have replaced anything, almost any scene in here with anything from a movie in 1995. Yeah. And I guess with nothing new to say, with something, I guess that it's a character that has these expectations and people who are waiting for this character, I don't know how this can be seen as much other than a letdown. So do you think it's going to be a, you think it'll tank second weekend at the box office? No, no, no. I think it'll be a Now the reviews are, okay. No, I think it'll be, you know, in fact, now on the flip side of that, I, I mean, you probably read um, that there were actually like internet trolls who were trying to like ruin the movie's reviews um, before the movie even came out. In fact, Rotten Tomatoes 
that people were posting negative audience scores of the movie before it had be- come out. Before it had come out. So the first, how, how first can their thing, system even allow that? Well, now it doesn't. Now they went back okay. and said, okay, the movie hasn't been released. We won't let you put up scores. But as of 8 a.m. on Friday, so hours after it opened, the film had a 33% audience score based off of 58,000 reviews. Now, that's more reviews than Avengers Infinity War got for the entire theatrical run of that movie, which is in theaters for months. It was a massive hit. So internet trolls definitely came out pounding, I don't know, building bots to go online and give this movie a terrible score. Is it sexism? Is it just... Yeah, what, it just tanks the... the movie. They're just trying to hurt the movie for some reason. Okay. Because, I, I, I don't know, because it stars I a woman. To, I'm not sure I why. I have to think that? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it just... Weird. Again, there's there's a lot of expectations. I do expect it to be a big hit. I just don't know that it really deserves it. And and normally, I think Marvel does deserve it. I think they normally do a really good job. I think the, the writing's funny. I think the action's good. The stars are great. This one just kind of felt less than vanilla. Let yeah, me ask you okay. this. What do you think? Did you think it benefited from being a prequel set in 1995? I think it benefited from being set in 1995. I think that was the one interesting thing about the film. I think that it was a, it was a really well curated soundtrack. I love the like music. The I mean, I think that I think that it was a funny moment that she crash lands to earth in a blockbuster video store. And sure. there's just tons of references to this bygone era that you know signaled my high school graduation and a time period that i remember quite fondly so you know i mean songs can bring you right back to a moment and i think that they got a lot of those details really pitch perfect i mean right down to the movies that were on display cases in 1995 in the blockbuster video store i think that that was really fun and and i think maybe saved the movie a little bit I, i did love the music I knew you'd like the music, and the, the Nirvana cue was great yeah, when they yeah. did Come As You Are. Um, but I didn't – to me, putting it in 1995, especially after telegraphing that that Captain Marvel is going to be a huge part of the sort of plan to fight Thanos in this next Avengers movie – Right. Well, first of all, you know – I mean, of course, every Marvel hero survives their movie, right? They're not going to kill the hero, but – but there's like no stakes in this movie. It's set before everything else. And yeah. at the end of the movie, you knew they had to somehow explain like, well, where's she been? Right? We've been living with superheroes since 19, since 2008 when Iron Man came out. So she just disappeared for 20 years? Yeah. You know, I guess she's been on a galactic walkabout. And that's... Anyway, it just felt like th- this was just such a check the box just to get the origin story in so that we can get her back into the timeline doing exciting things next month with the second Avengers movie. Yeah. So to me, it felt like while it was kitschy and interesting to have some of the music and some of the pop culture references and you know watching them boot up a CD-ROM, the, <laughs> it didn't add anything. And I also, I really struggled with young Nick Fury. I don't uh, know why they chose to do that as well. As it, it, I found it really distracting to have Samuel L. Jackson digitally de-aged for the entire movie. I didn't think that he and Brie Larson had especially great chemistry. I didn't think they gave his character that much to do that that made him seem extra badass or something. So it see- could have been anybody else, and then that person could have died, and that would have been stakes, and then Nick Fury could have come in right at the end. Sure. You know, just to, to make it 
all about him was really a weird choice, I thought. When we when we do these de-aging kinds of exercises, it always makes me wonder, do they need do they do they really need Samuel L. Jackson to act in the film or could you get anybody and digitally enhance them to look like a younger Samuel L. Jackson? I mean, you can make what's his name look like Gollum. Like why right. can't you make anybody look like Samuel L. Jackson is is he does he really need a credit in the movie? I it's a, it's a weird technology. It, it really is me. weird. It is weird, and the choice to use it was weird. And honestly, I thought it was distracting because it didn't look quite right. Especially mm-hmm. like Clark Gregg, um, who plays Agent Coulson. You wouldn't know who that is, but it was another guy, and he was uh, he's been in other uh, Marvel movies. He looked very fake. He looked very plasticky, waxy, not himself. Clearly, oh, okay. digitally altered, well, I, wearing a I wig kept or something. That Samuel L. Jackson looked like a little, sort of like he had an almost blue tint to him in a weird sort of way. Like it just, it does look odd, and and it's not because I know that that man is actually thirty years older. It's because it looks weird. It looks it sort of weird. It looks like right. a wax museum. Yeah. You know, it's funny you bring up Blue because another character played by a guy named Lee Pace that was in this movie is Ronan, the accuser. He's a Kree bad guy who we met in Guardians of the Galaxy 1. And he he shows up here. Of course, this is a prequel, so he's younger. But he also looked very different and mm-hmm. odd and wrong. It, it was like clearly the same character, but it's like they screwed it up somehow. I was very distracted and unfortunately, that also referenced Guardians of the Galaxy, where you have a very space-based set of characters, right? Lots of exposition about worlds and galactic kind of nonsense. But that movie has so much style and so much wit, and the soundtrack is great, and the cast is pitch perfect, that we all just went along with it. It was a great hit. Everybody loves Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I do not think that Captain Marvel has the same it just felt like kind of that b minus late 90s star trek with a lot of space gobbledygook but no flavor no color no snap and and to to bring in elements of guardians it really invites that comparison and i think this one just totally falls flat whiplash there yeah okay no i think i think that's great that's a good summary What what's up with how Brie Larson runs? Does she have like a weird gait? Oh, I every don't think scene, I noticed every that. sequence where she was running, I thought, "Whoa, what is up here?" Like, you know, as a runner, I, I don't know. I guess maybe I subconsciously pay attention. It just seemed like I'm very, gonna, I very stilted or odd. Check I'm out gonna how have she to runs. You, I'm gonna have to YouTube this because I yeah. didn't didn't pay attention to that. And and we we watched her in a room, and there's a scene where she's running out in slow motion of the room to like reunite with her son. Oh, I'll have to uh, check that out. We'll have to check that out. And maybe it was just a it was an artistic decision on on this one. What's up with um, the music during the score during the car chase? So there's a sequence where Samuel Jackson's in a car chasing a train, and Captain Marvel is on that train beating up. A scroll who keeps okay, shape shifting. Yeah. yeah, I actually did enjoy it because the music during that sequence, I think they intentionally made it sound like a mid '90s cop movie set in L.A. Yeah, like, I think, anytime the yes. car was in motion, it was sort of like cheesy generic cop, 
And then when he was on the train with her, the music sort of shifted a little bit. But when I went back to the car, it was like this cheesy car, car chase music. I kind of laughed I, out loud. I actually definitely think that there were decisions made with the score and just some other visual cues throughout the movie to not only set the movie in 1995, but make it look as if it may have been filmed in 1995, which, as I yeah. mentioned before, is, is one of the on, only other things that I enjoyed about it. What's up with the dude who is just straight up videotaping this four rows in front of me? Oh. Like, what's up with what's up with that guy? Come on. What was his master plan? What was he going to do with, like, yeah, right. crappy, I know. terrible I, bootleg like, copy of Captain right Marvel? From, right from his phone. And, it, you know, I, I sometimes think that theaters go just a tad too far with, like, the no texting. Like, I get you can't be answering phone calls in a theater. But we have ways to dim our screen. And if you're just, like, checking the time or needing right. to reply to your wife, I mean... That's no more distracting to me than the guy two seats over, like, munching on popcorn, right? Right. But when you're four rows in front of you and all you can see is, like, a little version of the screen right underneath the big version of the screen, that's super distracting and worthy of... Yeah, for sure. What's up with four major characters that we haven't really talked about? There's the the mentor slash, um, I guess, boss, Jan Rog, played by Jude Law. He was... Very forgettable. There was Annette Benning, who not only plays Annette Benning, she plays Marvell, she plays the artificial intelligence supercomputer that leads the Cree. And during mm-hmm. those scenes, she looked old. Like I yeah. gasped out loud at how old <laughs> she looked. Like, oh like <laughs> what happened? Um she was shockingly old and I just didn't know why they had Annette Benning there, and she yeah. didn't add much. Yeah. Ben Mendelsohn as the Green Skrull, I actually liked. Okay. I like Ben Mendelsohn. I think he does a okay. good job, and he always plays the bad guy, so they sort of turned it on his head because he's the bad guy for the first two-thirds, and then he turned out, oh, never mind, he's not a bad guy. Uh, the Skrulls, by the way, in the comic books are horrible, horrible villains. So oh, okay. The, the filmmakers have already shamed us. Because there's the presumption that scrolls are bad, but guess what? Just like humans, there are good scrolls and bad scrolls. <laughs> How dare you write off an entire race as being good or bad? So uh, we're all scroll racists, by the got way. It. Yeah. I did jot down why didn't they release this on the eve of the Democratic National Convention? Like uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. pretty clear what well, they're they Well they released it for. on National International Women's Day. That's why. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. Then the, uh, the last character was uh, Carol Danvers' best friend from the Air Force, um, who I just thought was a really boring character with a terrible haircut. It was yeah, so distracting. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, what are we doing here? I mean, it really felt like they were pushing like the sisterhood and a best friend angle as opposed to like a love interest. So I appreciated that. But boy, she was a... She was a nap. I was but, uh, snooze alert. There's nothing there. So you just rattled off four, you know, main characters that we didn't even discuss during the plot recap or our first twenty minutes on the film. I sort of feel like all of these movies suffer from that, and, and I'm not trying to overgeneralize here. But even a movie I enjoyed significantly more, like Black Panther. There were 10 too many people in there for me to keep track of, and I feel like that happens every time I see a Marvel movie. I, well, and I know you paint these with a pretty broad brush, 
But I, I'm, I'm, I'm going really to disagree. Trying not to. I, I'm going to disagree because I just think there are, you know, I think Robert Redford being in Captain America Winter Soldier was great. I think um, uh, Michael B. Jordan did an awesome job in Black Panther as the bad guy. I also think um, Andy Serkis in Black Panther as Ulysses Claus, the arms dealer, is so over the top, but really fun and interesting to watch. So I think there's a number of these character actors who get really good opportunities in these movies. And then you put somebody like Annette Bening, who's kind of a scoop of vanilla anyway, and you give her nothing to do. Yeah. And then you give Jude Law nothing to do. Right. And then you give Ben Mendelsohn a little bit of stuff to do, but not a ton. And then this major friend who I've never seen that character, that actor before, and she did nothing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, I think the movie was sort of a snooze. I would not necessarily – I don't think I'll ever need to re-see it. And I probably sure. have seen every Marvel movie a couple of times. And I think this is a one and done. Well, how about five listeners submitted questions to wrap it up then today? Oh, I can't wait. All right. Excellent. Question number one. Captain Marvel was a superhero created by Fawcett Publications and published from 1939 to 1953. He was a hero capable of super strength, had the ability to fly, and could summon magic lightning bolts. More importantly, Captain Marvel was secretly a child. A young boy named Billy Batson was blessed with the ability to transform into the seemingly adult hero whenever he said the word Shazam. He is not related to the Captain Marvel currently appearing in Marvel Comics and comic books. This original Captain Marvel, now known as Shazam, was created much earlier and is currently owned by DC Comics. How the hell is this not a lawsuit? Uh, I don't know how it's not a lawsuit, but it is a, a movie coming to a theater near us in about three weeks. The movie Shazam will be uh, in, in theaters starring Zachary Levi. All right. Sounds good. Question number two. In the Beatles song, the continuing story of Bungalow Bill from their 1968 White Album, they reference the original Captain Marvel as a way to poke fun at an acquaintance whom John Lennon considered to be childlike. What is your favorite comic book reference in rock music? I don't know of any other comic book references in rock music. Okay. Do you? So that one. I guess. Do you, are there others that you're aware of? I don't know. I, they might go over my head because I'm not... Uh, oh, so you're not I, a I'm comic not well guy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, question number three. Now that Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson have reunited on screen two years after Kong Skull Island, are they the new Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan of cinema? You know... <sighs> They they are working again. Um, I think Brie Larson just did had her directorial debut, and Samuel L. Jackson is in it as well. It should be released shortly, and so I do think that they really enjoy each other and are clearly interested in working with one another. And maybe yeah. that was the whole appeal for Samuel L. Jackson of Nick Fury uh, being in this movie. But okay. I just I don't know that they have a lot of chemistry. But Brie Larson really has a lot of spark. She has some moments in this movie where she is very funny. Even just mm-hmm. with little turns of her head, little flicks of her eyes. She's funny. I like uh, her as she's an She's really watchable. Really yeah. yeah. So, and she, she really can do the, the action scenes as well. So I think she's a fine Captain Marvel. I just hope they give her more to do um, when right. we see her next month in The Avengers, which I'm sure we'll see and talk about and you'll love. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Question, question number four. <laughs> Brie Larson is allergic to cats. So her scenes involving the cat Goose were filmed with a puppet or computer-generated visual effects. If this technology is available and so realistic, why would anybody ever record a movie scene with an actual damn cat? Great question. I don't have a good answer. 
Okay. Uh, and question number five. Given the lengths they went to for the reverse aging of Samuel L. Jackson, couldn't they have tried a little on Annette Benning? Oh, yeah. Oh, that that's a zinger. That hurts. That hurts. She seems really old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like shocking. Uh, like like she's playing like a like an old crone, like a witch, <laughs> or something. Oh so old. <laughs> and that's five listeners submitted questions. Thank Thanks, you, listeners. listeners. Uh, I think you summed up your final thoughts on the movie right before we jumped in, and I really concur. I, I doubt that I would ever sit through it again, but I'd certainly encourage anybody to download the soundtrack. You can't go wrong with with a little garbage and Green Day and Nirvana. I'm glad something has your stamp of approval. Well, coming <laughs> up next, we've got a Netflix uh, original film, High Flying Bird, directed by Steven Soderbergh, and I believe it was actually shot on an iPhone. So All right. we'll have that to look forward to. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.